Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Today's guest is my dear friend, colleague, and mentor, Dr. Renata Shaloa. Renata and I dish about her early days as a child in Prague, living fearlessly, and the ability to pursue health at any age. Renata is an accomplished and compassionate doctor of clinical nutrition and integrative health with over 20 years experience in the healthcare field. She currently helps midlife women get their life back by treating their menopausal symptoms using integrative therapies, including nutrition, meditation, and yoga. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Renata Shaloa, to the Dish with Dina podcast. I am so happy to finally get a chance to have you on here. How is everything going today for you? Hello, Dina. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. We know each other in so many different ways. A lot of my guests who come on here, we know each other maybe just through passing or even we've never met in person. We only know each other online. But you and I have had many relationships over the course of our last, I guess, six years or so. So why yes, don't you share with, share with the listeners, take a walk through of how we came. And let me see if I remember all of the stuff too that we've done. <laughs> how do we know each other? How did we come to learn to, to work with each other as well? Well, the first time I met you, Dina, I'll never forget. I opened my office door at the clinic that I work in and I saw this beautiful face and I knew that we would be friends. You came in as an intern. You were my intern, but it, it, you know, it happened to be that you're so smart and so, so intuitive that you taught me so many things during your internship. I think it helps too that I'm an older person. So this was like a second career for me. I am right. I mean, in comparison to some of my yes. co-interns, they were all in no, the 20s and I'm yes. in my 40s, 50s. We're both old. We're right. both old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was something we had in common. We had life experiences. Yes. So yes, I came in as your intern and then I spent quite and a long time. And you left as my friend. I left as your friend. And in between, I also came back and I also worked in the department yes. as an assistant to you. And we, I, I've always said this too. It's like, we started off as mentor, mentee, friends, colleagues. We're also, we have a lot in common too, which is a lot of the things that we enjoy doing a lot of like our yeah. holistic approaches. So I really think we vibe pretty well. And I'm glad that this was a relationship that kept on growing. So yes. Thank and you, it's going to continue growing. Exactly. So go back a little bit further. I always, I always like to find out about the history of people's food, culture, upbringing, share with us a little bit about who you were as a child and where you grew up and some of the things that you remember where it comes related to food. What were some of the things that you remember about? Food? Okay. Well, I, I, I was born in Prague, which is in the Czech Republic. And I was there until four years old. It wasn't the best place to live then. Um, it was in the 1960s. I was born in 1965. I don't mind saying how old I am. Yes, because I'm still young, young, older. Anyway, um, it, we we really only had a little bit of food because it was tough. Money was tough and, you know, everything was hard back then. And it was more like a meat and potatoes thing. There weren't really too many vegetables or healthy food. You just kind of ate whatever you can get. I mean, I don't remember everything, but that's kind of how how it was. And then um, 
we we escaped from Prague. I remember that I was four years old and we escaped to Vienna, Austria. And my parents told me we're going on vacation. Boy, was that a long vacation because we're still on it. <laughs> so that's when I was four years old. And we stayed in Vienna for about nine months. My mother went back. It's a long story. She went back to Prague to see if she can sell stuff that we had in the apartment. But she got there and everything was gone. It was not a good time. She almost didn't come back. Anyway, after Vienna, she did get back somehow. And after Vienna, we came to the United States and we came to Forest Hills, Queens. But first, actually, we came to Manhattan, which was not good. I think they put us in a shelter because it was pretty scary, I remember. And my mother wanted me to really fit in. So she she signed me up for school. And I, I it felt like the next day I was sitting in a in a classroom. <laughs> I was only four years old. And I remember this very vividly. And the teacher was playing the piano. I was sitting there on the floor. I guess it was like music time or something. And they gave us milk and cookies. And I, I drank it. And then I remember throwing up. I think it was from being so scared because I didn't speak the language. I didn't know where I was. It was not good. And a funny little added note, which wasn't funny then, my mother, she gave me slippers. So when, when she took me to the school, she took my shoes home because that's how you do it in Europe. And all the kids started making fun of me. And I was the only one wearing slippers the whole day. So it was not the best experience as far as food and just in general. But then somehow I kind of assimilated and everything was okay. And then we moved to Forest Hills, Queens, which was much better. And, you know, growing up with parents, they were older. Both of my parents had me at 44 which now seems young to me, but it's pretty old to have a child. Um, and and they, they grew up in, in a time that wasn't good for food. They didn't really have enough money in Europe and you know food was scarce. So we really just had meat and potatoes. That's really it, not much vegetables and you know just chicken and whatever and gravies and things like that. And then, you know, go up a few years, only a few, because I, I got married really young. So I, I met my husband when I was 18, and he's from a whole different world. I just graduated high school. We met at Jones Beach in, in Long Island, and we got married. I was 18, and he's from Israel. So he eats Mediterranean style. So that's when I started to really get into a lot of vegetables and fruits and just a healthier way of eating. I always tell him he raised me in terms of my diet. I became somebody else. I was raised by him. He's older than me. And I was just a baby. So that's basically, you know, where I am today. I I don't really eat the meat and potatoes diet. I really love the Mediterranean diet. And I would say more than 90% of what I eat is like a Mediterranean diet. Yeah. And it's because I love it too. 
Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing too, when you're talking about in the very beginning of your life, I mean, it was just whatever was available. So just, yeah, you, you had to just like, my mother told me, um, if she wanted eggs, she had to trade something or, or like give, give them something. I don't know even what. Right. We really take for granted, I think sometimes having access to so many foods. So walk us through a little bit now, because like my, uh, many of my other guests, you are like, I am a registered dietitian. So how did that transfer into, like, how did that positively influence how you were moving forward when it comes to learning more about nutrition and the role that it plays with health? Walk us through a little bit of that process or that path. Well, I tell you the truth. I don't know how I became a reg. I mean, I don't know what. Like I, I wasn't thinking I'm going to be a registered dietitian. I'm going to be a nutritionist. I was always chubby. That's another thing probably from the meat and potatoes, right? I was always chubby, made fun of. I wasn't like huge or anything, but I always tried to lose weight. And and I remember my father, he was a wonderful man. But whenever I would eat too much, he would say, you're eating too much and when I didn't eat he's like you have to eat you have to eat that's the European way so I don't know when I was 12 years old my mother let me go by myself to the store or you know let me walk by myself and I just naturally gravitated towards the bookstore for psychology books and nutrition books and then I went to the health food store the same day that was any any time I I went out, that's where I went. And just naturally, I, I said, I'm going to be, you know, a nutritionist. I didn't even have to think about it. But I did a little bit later in life. Uh, first, I, I went to cosmetology school. And, and I used to also do a lot of acting and, and modeling and um, print work, commercials, movies. I did that from age 14 to 18. And that has to do with this also because I was always called chubby and made fun of. I said, I'm going to show those kids. And then at age 14, I went on a diet, not like a crazy diet, but I lost weight and I got contracts with a manager and an agent and I was doing really well. And then I met my husband and then I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I got married at 18. I had my daughter at 19 and my son at 20. So that was two kids by 20. I went to cosmetology school because that was sort of like acting, you know, in a way I used to put makeup on people in movies and stuff. But but then I said, I just want to be a mom and I want to be there for my kids. And then maybe at age 26, I decided I'm going to go back to school. And I didn't think, what will I be? I don't know how I got into the field, but I just automatically went into it. Boy, I wasn't prepared how hard it is. All the chemistry, biochemistry, biology, anatomy, and all that stuff. But I did it. And I started school with two kids, and I ended with five. So crazy, crazy thing. It the took trajectory. Me, it took me 10 years on and off due to growing my family because I, I didn't have a family. We escaped and uh, my father's family, they were all killed in the Holocaust. He was the only survivor. And my mother's family, they were older and there's not many people in her family. So I got to make my own. Right. I had five kids and, 
And then I finally finished school, the, the bachelor degree. I, I believe I was about 35. That's a long time oh. from point A to point B. And Renata, I mean, we're on Zoom right now at the time of this recording. So you can see me scribbling as I always do. I'm making notes. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down a bunch of different things. So I'm kind of going to go in order of the way that I wrote okay. this. So the first one is being 12 years old and having the, you know, I think of 12 year olds as a little bit more mature than like, say somebody in fifth grade or so. So I was a latchkey kid at 10, 11. So I was responsible for a lot of things. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that you were in those stores already kind of interested at in what you were yeah. doing and looking at. But did you also know how to cook and prepare and shop for your own foods? Like, did you have an understanding of how flavors went with each other? I mean, I, I used to make my own food. I would, when I was home and my parents were at work, I would cook and clean and, and surprise them. I, I never thought about it though. It was right. just natural for me. And I bring this up because a lot of yeah. times I think it's helpful for children to be exposed to different cultures, different environments, if they're able to do so, play a role in the kitchen in some way so that they don't get afraid of how to cook and how to taste different things. And I think it opens up their uh, preferences as well because children can be kind of picky. So it's nice to engage them if, if we have the ability to do that. So I love that. I was also... yeah. I, I played a small role in the kitchen as a child. I've often mentioned in some of the previous episodes that we lived upstairs, downstairs from my grandparents. And I remember going into my grandma's kitchen and helping her make pasta from scratch and sauce ah, on the stove. That's you know, amazing. Yeah. All day long, stirring that sauce on the stove for like 10 hours. And then we would eat, you know, with, um, with the family on Sundays, we'd have our gathering. So that's interesting to me too, where you were very kind of isolated as a family unit, when you moved to Forest Hills, did you have a community mm -hmm. there of people who you were able to interact with, or it was just very like your parents and you, and that was no, it? it? It was just my parents, my brother, who's much older than me. He's right. about 15 years older than me. Uh, and that's it. And my right. parents didn't really speak English either. I remember that there were really mean kids in the neighborhood and they were calling out under my window and saying words that I can't say on this podcast. And my mother's like, oh, look, they want to play with you. I said, no, they don't like me. <laughs> nope, that's not what you're saying. Children are so, so, so mean cruel. sometimes. It's true. Um, I want to jump ahead too, because... I feel like you are a lifelong learner that you started off, you yes. took a break, you became a full-time mom, you went back to school, but that didn't stop there. So tell us a little bit about all the things that you no, have I... accomplished since, since you were 26 years old and beyond. Well, I love learning. And even now I just, I don't have patience to read books unless they're psychology books or something you learn from. <clears throat> so I always wanted to be a medical doctor. That was, I used to love going like, this is kind of crazy, but my father, he had a stroke. My brother was in the hospital also. And I used, as a child, I was maybe nine and, and I used to go visit them. Not, you know, the, not that they were there a long time, but I used to be so excited just to see the hospital. And, and I used to peek in all the rooms. It was just fascinating to me. And I always wanted to be a medical doctor. That was my dream. And I, I couldn't do, I mean, I probably could have, but it was hard enough to go through the, the school, you know, to be a dietitian, which is kind of like medical school. 
and it, it's really hard and intense. So I said, I'm not stopping here. And I recently got my doctorate. So even at this age, you can still do so many things. And not only did I get my doctorate, but I became a yoga teacher, 200 hour registered yoga teacher, a meditation teacher. And, and I, a couple of weeks ago, I became a Reiki instructor as well. So I, I, I may be crazy, but I just love learning and I love, I love teaching. I want you to speak, if you don't mind, a little bit about the role that all of these different avenues take you, because when we're in the dietetics profession, learning in our schooling, mm -hmm. it is very, as you said, science-based, clinical focus, but then we can venture off and do a variety of different things in the community setting or be a spokesperson. And you'll talk a little bit too about in business and communications and being an entrepreneur. But I want to talk a little bit about the doctorate approach, because we don't really learn a lot of like integrative outside mm -hmm. of the Western type of medicine way of doing things when it comes to holistically healing a yeah. person. Can you speak a little bit about how that played when you started venturing off? Because I know that was an interest of yours, but how does that factor into the things that you learned when you were in school versus what you know now? And what is what is more of like the population that you're wanting to work with these days? Well, I was always a little bit different than your average dietitian who finishes the internship and then just works in a hospital or nursing home. Even though as a child, I was fascinated by the hospital and the nursing homes, you know, life happened, things happened, you know, my parents got sick, passed away, and, you know, all these things. And, and now I don't want to step into a hospital or nursing home. It just doesn't make me feel good. And I always loved to be different. I, I loved yoga, meditation, just that even as a child, and, and I, I just integrated it all into my practice, even before the doctorate. And I didn't really know that there is a way to study that stuff and, and to become that type of dietitian. I just did it naturally. So like having groups with yoga meditation added into it like diabetes programs and all kinds of conventional programs but yet not conventional at the same time so I, I found this school it's called Maryland University of Integrative Health and it's based on clinical nutrition and integrative health so I kind of pract have practiced that way my whole career which is spanning about 20 years and now my doctorate is something that I've added to that. So, you know, not that it was incredible before, but now I feel like, wow, this is really a thing. And it's looking at the person as a whole and using different methods as adjuncts to the conventional methods. And it, it, it really gives amazing results to patients. Mm -hmm. And my patients are mostly um, women who are menopausal age, midlife women and beyond. And you'd be surprised even a patient that's like 90 years old comes to my group and does meditation and deep breathing. And it just helps all around. I think in the so, society that we live in now, and especially, I mean, I know we've been, uh, what are we going on now? Year four of our pandemic here, that 
we might end up sacrificing a lot of that self-care, but it's not, we've talked about this too. And Mm -hmm. I've said this in a lot of the other podcast episodes as well. This is not something that we should consider a luxury. It's actually an investment of your health. So how do you notice that people who might not have had an approach or they might've had to put on the back burner, whether it was because of work or family, being able to now add into their lives, these modifications, whether it's in their diet or adding in, you know, sleep or uh, physical activity, what are some of the things that help them kind of get over that, that, you know, I didn't have the time to do this before, but I'm making the time to do it now. What are some of the, the mindset that approaches that you're taking with them to help them with their behavioral changes? Well, one thing that, that made a big, big difference for, for the patients, especially that I see is the pandemic and during the pandemic all of a sudden everything stopped and we thought our group would stop that was like a support system for it was mostly women some men but mostly women and everything stopped and interaction stopped depression started and just people were eating anything from boredom, depression, from being scared. And, you know, I I don't have to tell you because everyone was part of this pandemic and still is. And just the change in lifestyle through the pandemic, I think that's why people accepted all these extra methods or or new ways of of looking and, and, and treating and just thinking about conditions like deep breathing, um meditation not like some crazy stuff just trying to let go and the virtual world opened up I even have people I mean my patients now are mostly midlife women I have like I said someone who's actually 90 years old and Dina I think you know who that is and she is in my group every week on zoom so you know the world has changed and using these therapies gives people hope and they feel so much better as long as they get out of their mind that this is like, I think before the pandemic, people used to think it's some crazy religion or some weird stuff. Like it was more only conventional stuff is the way to go. But even in the clinic that I am working in, they believe in this stuff. You know, and it's really an an amazing adjunct. And just taking a few breaths helps your blood pressure to go down. When your blood pressure is down, you feel better. I use it myself when I'm on an airplane. I just came back from from a trip and the plane was shaking like crazy and I get scared. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? So I, I have to do what I tell patients to do. I took a few breaths. And then even though it was still shaking, it didn't feel as bad. You know, you mentioned mindless, mindlessness to mindfulness, I guess. And that's a true testament, I think, of the resilience of the human body in the sense of even if, yes, granted, you know, as we age, things might get a little bit more difficult for us to start up, but it's never too late to pick up a new habit or to reconsider how you're moving through this life and make this time for yourself, because it really is, like I said, an investment of your own health. And you can keep vibrating on that high level of go, go, go. I'm talking about myself, by the way, right now. And (laughs) And me. And you sometimes too, (laughs) but it's helpful that, you know, even 
um, with as much as we have on our schedules, you know, I, I try to make time to do things like this, like having the podcast, obviously right. this is part of my kind of business model, but also having lunch with friends, even though I know I'm thinking to myself, oh, I should be doing other things, or I need to, you know, be responsible and knock off all these chores and activities. But it's so important to look at those other social aspects of our life that play a role in longevity, right? In living the longest, best mm -hmm. life that we can. So I love that that is now part of your application, but that's always kind of has been, it's just a little bit more formalized, I guess, at this point. Right. And, and I just want to add that I think people are accepting it more now because the pandemic stopped everything. So we kind of learned in one way to just stop. Mm -hmm. And that's the key is you want to stop even for a few seconds and then you go back to what you're doing and it looks so much better. It feels better. It really does just to have that centering, that groundingness from, right. like, even if it's just five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, move your eyeballs away from the screen, go step outside in the sunlight for a bit take some deep breathing moments for yourself. Um, I also like little activities too that I find cathartic, like even doing errands around the house make me feel like I'm decluttering my space around me. I'm keeping things clean and tidy. And that mm -hmm. feels sometimes good too. Like I'm, I'm finding myself responsible for my surroundings and not just letting a bunch of stuff pile up literally and figuratively. Um, so Renata, can you share with us, which as much as you have on your uh, plate, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too in a bit. Um, what is a typical, or do you not have a typical week in the life of you? What are some of the things that you do? How do you work? And what are some things that you're also working on? Well, my my life and my week and my days are never typical, but they're always crazy. Um, I, I try to balance my my family life I, I just became a grandma recently yay that's that's one of the things that helps me to kind of de-stress and regroup is I take my granddaughter for walks I just take breaks but my life has always been crazy as you know Dina I do this and I do that and and sometimes when I do have some time I don't know what to do with myself because I'm so used to being that robot and the pandemic has really made me think. And that's why I'm making a change for myself, just like I help my patients do. And what I do is I, I go crazy and I work and I work and I work. And, and But I'm also rebuilding my private practice. But instead of putting it in a brick and mortar type setting, which I was going to do, I'm, I'm virtual because everything's virtual now. So that, that's the new normal. And, and I'm doing what I love. I'm not only building my practice back, which I had a practice, I didn't even mention this. I started off with a private practice and I, I, I really love what I do when it comes to my practice. I, I love to write. I love to just like you, Dina, I'm, I, I love to be creative. I also paint. I, I started painting. That's another thing. I, I did about six paintings since the pandemic. But I, I, I get crazy where I get this burst of energy and I did them all like one after the other. And they're pretty good, I must say. If this was a, a video, I would show them to you. Because <laughs> I used to paint also. So I'm kind of going back to... To what I love how 
it's almost like a cycle. I started my career that way, very creative. I was on in a lot of magazines, on a shows for nutrition. So I kept it sort of like when I was acting and, and doing commercials and stuff. So I'm going back to that. And because you have to do what you love. And, and I've become like a robot. The, the pandemic kind of showed me that every day I was commuting like for three hours each way, take a car, take the railroad, take subways and walk. I came to work sweating. I had to bring an extra shirt. Dina was there. We used to, Dina, you did, <laughs> you also were sweating with me. I only had a 20 minute walk and I was sweating. <laughs> I know. We, we used to go in the bathroom and then use the hand dryer to dry our hair and our clothes. <laughs> Dina was the only one who understood me. I can understand that. From the that. intern, we used to go. We had fans and everything, and but that was my life. I even have an indent. It's probably gone now, but in my shoulder from carrying those heavy bags because I don't live close to my work, and I just did it every single day. One day I missed the railroad, and I tell you the truth, I got home at midnight. Like, what kind of life is this? It's not good. So then you have to kind of look and step away from everything and, and look at your life from the outside and say, something's got to change, right? So I, the pandemic slowed me down. You know, everything became virtual and I had more time. That commute was six hours, which I think Dina told me, you're not working one job, you're working two or one and a half. And then I started, I said, oh, let me get my paints out. And they were all dried and I could hardly use them because I don't have time. So I started doing creative things again and I became happy. And then I started writing and I, one of my bucket list things is not only to be a doctor, I became a doctor, you know, a doctorate, doctor. So I did that. I'm like, I got a really long bucket list. And another thing on my bucket list was that I'm going to write a book. I'm not leaving this earth until I write a book, but I have more stuff on my bucket list. I'm not leaving yet. So, and, and through the pandemic, I actually did. I started my book maybe 15 years ago, but I never finished it. And last October, I said, that's it. That's it. I'm going to write my book. And and everything changed with the book. I niched down to midlife women like myself, and I put my experiences in there. And I started writing, and I wrote almost every day for a year. My book began last October. My book writing began, and I actually finished this October. So a whole year of almost every day at night, whenever I could sneak in the time I was writing and, and I finished it. So on to my next adventure. I am so proud of you with that. You know, when we talk about a lot of the things, the different roles that we play, we don't have a traditional conventional type of nine to five deal. Right. Like other people do. It's not for the faint of heart. I've said this a lot of times, not a lot of people can juggle this much. No, no. 
And sometimes we can't juggle this much too. So what are some of the things that you do to keep yourself on track? Like, are there productivity tools? Do you have a certain morning or evening routine that you prep and plan for your day and being disciplined and writing every day, finding those pockets of time? So did you have like a checklist of things that you wanted to accomplish? Can you walk us through kind of how mm -hmm. do you keep everything in order? Well, I, I did have three jobs for, for most of the year. And then I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I also was teaching at the at the college, which you were teaching and you are teaching as well. And and I just I didn't really have a checklist or anything. And I also not that it's a job, but I have new granddaughter and I really want to spend time with her and all my free time. I'm like, I want to be with her. And when I see her, I'm like, I can't say no. So I really didn't have the time to write this book, but I any moment that I could, I, I just started writing. And I locked myself away in a room where there was nobody in a closet, like wherever you can. I just was writing, even on my break at work, instead of going out and getting lunch, I would write. And that's how I did it. I'm not a, a person who, who can go by checklists or anything like that, you know, even though I should, I'm not. I'm not very organized in that sense, as you know, Dina, because you were my organizer when you were my dietetic intern. But I do get things done. And I have everything yes. in my head. Mm -hmm. And and I know where everything is. But to put it on paper or have a schedule or something like that, it's just not me. I don't work well that way. But yet I am organized in my own crazy way. Yeah, and, and if you're I, productive. If I, yeah. And that's the thing. When I set my mind to something, I do it just like my doctorate. I said, I'm going to get a doctorate. I'm definitely not leaving this earth without a doctor in front of my name. And it's not to show off or anything. It's one of my passions. And, and I did it. And then I, I love yoga. I used to go to yoga four times a week before the pandemic. And I went after work. I got home 10 p.m. But I, I love it so much much that I during the pandemic I became I mean I started before the pandemic but I became a certified yoga instructor and meditation instructor so when I want to do something I set my mind to it and I do it and nothing can stop me it's I, just that I'm not as organized as you <laughs> I'm I'm probably less organized these days as you might remember from when we first started working because I I'm now just kind of flying by the seat of my pants with a lot of stuff. But like you, I kind of know, like I have the checklist in my brain. I kind of know what's going right. Um, but you mentioned too about, you know, having those moments of time during the day or during the week or whatever that you knew you wanted to get yourself to that next step and be able right. to accomplish something. And so you make it work. I mean, we often say, I don't have enough time, but if you're really looking at your week schedule, there could be for anybody who's listening, there could be pockets of time, yeah. you, could, you know, and granted, you don't want to sacrifice every waking moment because like Renata was saying, you want to have time where you can spend time with your family and take care right. of yourself and kind of lead and live by example. But if you're really looking to get from point A to point B, I think that, you know, allowing yourself the ability to be a little bit disciplined, try to stick to a schedule, get some things done, chip away. It could take a year. It could take 15 years, whatever it is mm -hmm. that try not to let go too much of the things that you dream of, because you could become resentful and regret certain things. And I think that's really lovely that you are slowly chipping away at all the things on your bucket list, Renata. I'm really proud well, of you with that. 
that that's the thing even though i said i'm not as structured as i would like to be but i am disciplined where i get things done and you know I, but i i don't have like a list i'm doing this and this but i it's in my mind and i am very disciplined with those things that's how i was able to write a whole book in a year's time with working so much and spending time with my family as well right not too much suffered in the sense of you didn't necessarily deny your family time just to write the book you were able to fit in right I fit everything in yeah and and I I accomplished what I wanted to that's the key I love it. So walk us through a little bit too about the future you now, because you have such a long list of things that you want to accomplish. How do you see yourself either growing your business or what direction do you want to go in as you get older, but also as you get more ingrained in the things that you're doing, both with the yoga instruction, with having the doctorate, with your own patients, where do you see the next, if you are thinking that far ahead, which I think you are five, you know, 10 years down the line? Well, I see, I think I mentioned it a little bit before I, I see myself kind of in a circle, uh, a cycle with my career where I started my career in private practice from day one, the minute I stepped out of my internship, I said, I'm never working for anybody. And I'm not, and I never worked under a dietitian my whole career because I just don't like, like people telling me what to do. Not in a mean way, it's just who I am. And I'm going back to restarting my private practice and being creative because it makes me happy. And and then, you know, in the next year or two, I see myself really getting that on the road to in full force and and hiring a few dietitians who would be working with me and but making it virtual. So this way you don't have to do that commute. The dietitians don't have to do the commute and the patients don't have to do the commute. But I really, I want to work with midlife women because not that I don't love every patient, but those are my favorite because I understand them. They understand me. I was going to say too, I remember in our classes when we were in undergrad that we were often told like oh you don't have to specialize in anything as a dietitian Mm -hmm. you can do everything and while that's true I do think there are so many more opportunities that you find people who want to work with you when you do specialize in something or that when you bring something personal to the table because then you can really share your own expertise and experiences and you have that group of people who are solely focused on whatever that particular topic is, whether it's life cycle, whether it's a condition, whether it's a population age in that sense too. And I, I think I know for myself, I'm finding myself kind of whittling down a little bit. You know, I used to just take a little bit of everybody, but there are definitely things that I'm not feeling super comfortable with, or I feel are a little bit more complex in the human body, especially when it comes to chronic disease states and not just, you know, lifestyle support of someone um, with preventative approaches. So that's something too, that I want to share also, not just with the dietetics people, but also really anybody, if you can, just like Renata was doing, if you can get certified, credentialed, whether or not you're going back to school from scratch or just training yourself in some way to be more of a desirable candidate in that world of whatever your career is, I really do think that's quite beneficial versus, you know, kind of being in like quote unquote competition with everyone else, because you have something unique to offer that people will end up 
finding you and finding a voice that resonates with them. And then that in itself can grow your business, your practice, your also like what you want to do in developing yourself professionally too. Like it makes it exciting versus doing a whole bunch of different things and then not really having a focus in that sense. Um, Renata, do you feel the same way too? Like, you know, when we were in, in your schooling as well, it just felt like we were learning everything. And I just, I feel like I can't keep track of liver disease and kidney disease and cancer and gastrointestinal things. Like I, I prefer to kind of whittle it down, even though I'm happy to say if anybody did come to me, I can kind of at least lead them in the right direction of that. What are some of the suggestions and the guidance that you give to your interns and the people that you're working with now who are going to be venturing into becoming your colleagues down the line? So you're a hundred percent right. When, when I went to school, the same thing and my whole career working you know, in clinics and, and different settings, it was everybody. Like in the clinic, we have thousands of patients. We have two clinics. There's over 7,000 patients. I, I see basically everybody from, from prenatal, and you know, because you were there with me, from prenatal to could be 100 years old, every condition under the sun. And it, it's all fine. I can treat them. I know because I've worked with you know, in that situation for like 20 years. But through my doctorate studies, that's where like being with with nutritionists and dietitians who did their undergraduate in integrative health, I, I started to, to learn from them that you really niching down is the key. And I actually started my career that way. I was focusing on on I don't know so much just women, but people who needed to lose weight without even knowing. And then all of a sudden, I just started, you know, when I started working in the field, I, I started seeing everybody and I didn't understand. And when you really niche down, you become the expert. You're the expert. And especially if you understand, if you went through that situation, that's where people gravitate towards you. That's where you you really can help help everybody in, in the best manner that you can. So you, of course, you can see anybody and we can treat liver disease. I've treated, you know, not treated, but, but um, counseled for, for diabetes, liver disease, um, you name it, I've seen it. I mean, anything, tube feedings, anything under the sun. But really niching down is the best way to go, not only for, for your career, but for your patients. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. Thank you. So before we start winding down our conversation here, even though I know I'd love to talk to you for four hours, to a week and a half, <laughs> I could. What are some things that we might not have covered that you want to share? Is there anything that you want to draw attention to or elaborate on? Um. Well, I just want, you know, if any future dietitians are listening, I, I hope this helps with your career, with their careers. If I knew all this, I would have gone a little bit on a different road. Not that it wasn't good what I did and what I'm doing, because it did give me a lot of experience. And I don't think I would have gotten to the place that I am in today if I didn't have those years of experience. But maybe it didn't have to be that long. 
And, and I just want to say another thing because, you know, my niche is midlife women. I, I was thinking I'm too old to get my doctorate. It's too late. And I, I, I talk to my, my kids a lot. And one of my sons, he's always my go-to person. He's like, you're going to be that age anyway without a doctorate. And that is so true. So I, I said, you know what? You're right. I might as well do it. I'm going to be that age without a yoga certification, without my meditation certification, without my Reiki certification. So you can do anything at any age. And, and you have to be happy. That's the key. If you're not happy with what you're doing, it's not going to be good. Renata, I, so. first of all, that is so profound because I don't want to necessarily... Um, belittle anyone who feels like they already have too much on their plate and we're just talking like, oh, we right. have the privilege of being able to do all these things. But I do think that there is a recognition of fear, right? When people have that, mm -hmm. what they call like that limiting belief of I can't do it. Well, then you're never going to do it. And so not necessarily knowing the steps you have to take, just knowing that you want to do something. And you and I have talked about this too, I think of the power of the positive mindset and the abundance right. mindset. When you start talking and putting plans and actions together and taking those first steps, I'm, I'm proof of this as well. And I think Renata, you might share the same too, where things happen, they start lining up and there's a recognition that validates the steps that I'm taking, even if I didn't even realize that it was going to happen. And so when it comes to things like I want to quit a job and I'm worried about finances or I'm worried about that next opportunity. I have done that because I know that because I've talked to people and I'm open for opportunities and that I have also really invested a lot of time and energy into growing my network and connections that I always feel very safe that there's somebody out there probably looking out for me or keeping me in mind for that next opportunity. So I want to encourage anyone listening to this too of, you know, sometimes you have to let go of certain things that are no longer serving you or that are really, really bringing you down and just have faith that something out there, as long as you are actively involved and engaged in making that happen, you don't necessarily have to have all the answers. They will, they will, line up as, as woo woo as that sounds sometimes, but they really will line up and support you if it takes a little bit longer than you're expecting, but do give yourself that goal because just like your son was telling you, it's so true. You're going to be that age anyway. You're going to yeah. be moving through <laughs> life anyway. Why not try to just chip away at some of these things? I would rather fail at something than say I've never done it. Right. And, and that's what I tell my interns always live. So you never have to say I should have, right? That's the key, because you don't want to say, what if I did this? I could have been here as long as you try and you're never too old, no matter what. Yes. And I, I am not that I'm so old, but but I am proof. Yeah. You know, so are you. I am too. I mean, I, I often have anxiety that I probably have less years ahead of me than I have behind me. And I have so much right. I want to accomplish. That's and how I feel. Even though I'm, I'm, again, I totally agree with, you know, it's never too late, but I'm like, I'm really tired sometimes. And if I have the energy to move forward. That's, sometimes I think, why am I doing all right. this? But because it makes me happy. That's yeah. number one. I'm not doing it because I'm money hungry. I'm trying to yeah. you know, go crazy with that. I, I, I want to live the life that makes me happy. Yeah. 
There's a greater right. purpose. I like being of service to people. And I often joke, I would love to make millions of dollars, but I want to give some of that back. Like I want right. to buy somebody a wing on a hospital or I want to be exactly. able to, right? Like I want to be able to say, oh, do you need a park in your, in your neighborhood? I'll go and I'll buy you a park. Like that's what I, I want to use my money for something. And, right. um, and it, it's going to take a while to get there, but I'm, I'm hoping I eventually have global domination in my, in my and sites. And Dina, you are always and have been my inspiration since the day I saw your beautiful face when I opened that door. I'll never forget it. But you are the sweet. It's I swear true. I'm not paying you to say that. That is so sweet. I, she's not paying me. I'm not going that is so sweet. I find the same with you too, Renata, because you have a lot more going on in your life than I do. And I keep thinking, well, if she can do this and I can probably do it too. Like I have a lot of the things yeah. that you have and I'm in my mind and I'm like, I just have to wait a little bit longer to chip away at some stuff, but I know it can be done. I know it can be done. But th that's the thing. Like who can write a book at this age with, I had three jobs while I was writing the book. Now I have one job. I gave up the other two. It was not easy, but I did. I did it because I loved all of them. That's another thing. But if I could do that, if I could get my doctorate during a, you know, and, and finish it during a pandemic and having a new grandchild and having five kids with each one, you know, has something, not that it's something bad, but having kids is not easy, even though they're older. Um, if I can do all this, then anybody can. And that's what I tell, you know, to answer your question yeah. before, that's what I tell my students, you can do anything. And I tell my kids too, mm -hmm. and always be the top of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Always, always. Because you never want to have to say I should have. Mm -hmm. and, and my book is my, it's something special for me, because I never thought I could do it. I always look at books and I'm thinking, wow, this is so amazing, you know, but I did it. Yes, you it, did. it's, you know, it's because I wanted to, that that's the thing. And no matter what came in my way, nothing stops me. When I want something, I get it done. Exactly. Yeah. Huge, huge inspiration huge inspiration so I want to ask you my final two questions of our interview today Renata and they are related in the sense of what's on your plate today so we're talking mm -hmm. both literally and figuratively so figuratively uh right now it's a Saturday morning ish what when we're done wrapping up what is the next thing that you're planning on doing and then what is the next meal that you will be having after we wrap up well today I don't have my granddaughter which is rare because I always want her I love my granddaughter and I want to be with her every moment that I'm not working, but it's going to be my husband's birthday tomorrow. So I decided since we have time today that I'm going to take him somewhere special and do something normal, which I haven't done in a long time. Just meaning not working, not writing, not, not preparing stuff that I need for this book launch or you know that's the next book book writing is not easy so even like today I, I could just start doing things that I need to for the book like the marketing and, and fixing whatever I need to fix and continuing with work but I'm not going to do that I'm going to take time and have a normal day 
and enjoy it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing today. Will that include food? Because then that answers the second question oh. of what are you eating? Oh, well, I don't know exactly what I'm eating, but we're going somewhere and I'm going to take him to a restaurant. Enjoy quality time <laughs> and it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise. Yes. I uh, I rarely share what I'm eating when I ask that question, but I have been craving brunch from one of our little diner places around here. So when you and I wrap up, I'm going to have an omelet and I'm also going to have chocolate chip pancakes and my boyfriend Whoa. and I, yeah, we'll split it because it's quite <laughs> a lot of food, but I have been craving that for like almost two weeks now. And I just keep thinking it's a little too much. It's a little too heavy. So I'm going to wait until a day where I feel like I don't have much going on since I've been out and about and running other errands and things. So we're going to able be able to sit and share a nice omelet that's and a stack of pancakes. So that that's another thing. I don't want to, you know, take up too much more time, but everyone thinks because I'm a dietitian and you must know, and a nutritionist and a doctor of clinical nutrition. And I wrote the book and whatever that I cannot eat like the chocolate pancakes, chocolate chip pancakes. But I want to tell, I just came back from Louisiana. I was actually, I was taken away from everything by my sister-in-law and a friend. And we were there for five days. And every day I'm, yes, I can say this every day. I had a beignet. I think I'm yes. pronouncing it correctly. Yes. <laughs> a beignet, which I have not eaten. That's a French donut. I have not eaten things like that in years. So now to answer your question also, now I'm trying to eat back the way, you know, healthy, the right. way that I I, I normally eat. Right. But it's okay. That's the thing. Also, a takeaway is it's okay. We don't have to eat perfect 100% of the time. And that's what I tell patients. It's 90% of the time you want to eat the right way. And 10%, you can go, go nuts. Here, here and there. You don't have to go completely crazy. Right. But, you know, and have certain things. Like for me, I'll only drink water. I just won't drink juice or soda. I just never drink that stuff. And, and that's my thing. And then sometimes I'll have a little, you know, here and there. But I had a lot of here and there in Louisiana. <laughs> by force mostly and then you just go right back so it's 90 percent of what you do that stays with your body and that shows up in your labs and and in how you feel and how you look and all of that so you can enjoy yourself it's how you do it so I love that how I live and I think you live that way as well I absolutely do I come from a very no restrictions like you know as long as mm -hmm. you have uh the ability to approach your foods with that relationship of I, I can have anything I want, but I choose to have some things that are nourishing me. And then I can have some of these indulgent foods. And it's more about the patterns that we take into account over the right. course of the week. So yeah, you might be some days when you're on vacation or you're doing some things, maybe your regular diet is thrown off a little bit, but I also try to make sure people disassociate emotion with that too like don't feel bad or guilty that you fell off track with anything that it's just food. It's there to have enjoyment savor, nourish you. And there's always an opportunity to kind of pick back up where you left off the next day. I love exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. And I just want to add one more tiny little thing to yes. that. Uh, when you, you know, do stuff like that, like I did it five days straight, I was eating the wrong, not the wrong way, but different. And, uh, but I went swimming every day. 
you know, I, I walked a lot. So you kind of balance it out. And now that I'm back, I'm back to my regular eating patterns with the 90-10%. Right. Was it all in balance, moderation? Right. You know, the stuff that we always talk about. Well, Renata, it has been a true pleasure getting to catch up with you here and also being able to see you on screen here as we're recording this because I haven't really done that previously. I've, I told you before, I usually use my podcast app, but this is going to be mm -hmm. a new thing for me. I really enjoy seeing I think it's faces. great. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Have a wonderful time. Happy birthday to your hubs and enjoy thank all, of the, you. all the ongoing and, success that you have coming to you. And thank you for having me as your guest. I love you, Dina. Love and you enjoy your, your chocolate chip pancakes because you know how and you can. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina, and I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again. Dish again.